You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. Really? I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me is the crankiest, the Cranky Fan. <laughs> we may need to work in the future on that intro if they're going to play that, 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 that turd burger we saw last night. So, The best damn podcast for the best damn peewee team. I'm your host, <laughs> the Football Grump. Congratulations, Arena Bowl champion New York Giants. Yeah. Guys, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump, and the podcast is at Just Giants Pod. You can uh, follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can follow me at the Cranky Fan, and uh, as you're going to notice tonight, I am not in a very good mood after what we saw last night. You know, it's just a you know when you wait eight nine months after uh, the playoffs, and you know and in, enthusiasm's high and you think you know this team's gonna get better and you just see them lay a complete egg offensively coaching wise it just makes you very pissed off and uh we'll attempt to kind of analyze what happened and you know move forward with with, with week two yeah we're coming as advertised tonight this is this is the first real grump uh podcast and i was i was pretty furious um yeah, this this was a shit show, and a good place to start is uh, with injuries because that's pretty much the core of the problem here, um, and it's it's what we've known all along. But uh, so Odell Beckham really can't play. Um, he has never been seen jumping since his injury. He can't really cut. His straight line speed is probably about eighty five to ninety percent, which is fine. But you know everything else is what makes you a receiver, um, and. The problem we have is that he is 100% the offense. Just that's it, that's it. Yeah, but you know something, though? And then Collinsworth was – I'm going to get to Collinsworth in a little bit during this show. But one of the two things he kept harping on was, well, with no Beckham, this team is screwed. It, then they go and show a graphic. Now it's been seven games we've scored less than 20 points in, in a row. Beckham has played in all six of those games before, before last night. So you know, to pin this sorely on the fact that Beckham wasn't there – and it's a completely different offense without him. I think it's a little – I think that's kind of making excuses a little bit for what the real problems of this offense are. It's true that that's a little bit of it. But, you know, if you want to delve into last year, that's what these supplemental weapons are for. Uh, Brandon Marshall was not brought in here to be a number one wide receiver. He was brought in here to be a number three wide receiver. Uh, last night he had to step up and be a one or a two. Um, you know, when you have Beckham playing – we and this is what we've talked about all off season is, yeah. Last year Beckham was quite literally the only weapon we had, so it was it stood to reason that we would score under twenty points. Now we have Beckham taking away the attention so that other guys can move the chains. We should score more points. So it's skewed a little bit, yeah, kinda. But I yeah, but let's, I yeah, think for, it's a valid point. Let's forget about forget about the points for a second. You know, the lack of first downs, the lack of, you know, positive yardage on first down. And, you know, I just think it's a bigger problem because watching that game plan last night, I don't know what we were trying to do. Okay. I mean, it seems yeah. like we, we, we came out trying to run the ball. Same shitty offensive line we had last year. Same average running backs we had last year. You know, that's not what we are. 
So, okay, you know, when we try to throw the ball, everything is just little dink and dunk two, three yard passes, you know, stuff behind the line of scrimmage, stuff they're completely expecting on second and long. It's just like, what are we trying to be? I mean, is this team, is this a team that wants to run the ball first to establish the run, which is such a 1980s philosophy? You know, did we try attacking at all? No. Why not? Is it because we had no time to, no pass protection at all? No, you know, everything was a two quick three-step drop. Does this coaching staff realize that this team can't pass block? So, you know, that's why we had this game plan. I, I just don't know what was, what they were even trying to do out there, and whatever they were trying to do wasn't working. I'm gonna, I'm gonna respond to all that, but I just want to sound off on one thing in particular that that just to to really emphasize how bad this offensive performance was. The Giants scored three points last night. Okay, that puts them in the category of San Francisco, who also scored three points against Carolina, and Cincinnati, who scored zero points against Baltimore. That's it. That's it. Everybody you know else ba- in the league you know has scored was, more points. You know how bad it was, Grump? The Jets and the Giants combined scored less points than the Yankees scored runs yesterday. The Jets and the Giants combined scored less than Dallas did last night. If if both teams played together, they still <laughs> I'm talking about a lost. fucking baseball team. I, I, whatever. <laughs> Did they play in Home Run Park? I don't even want. But okay, so in response to what you're saying, I I uh, I completely agree with some of the things. Uh, Go ahead. I do think that the early attempts to get the ball rolling by running it was not a bad decision. If you look at the at the um, the play by play, offensively we were moving the ball on the ground. Most of the time for about three to four yards. That's not enough, but it's something. The problem we had was throwing the dink and dunk because they were completely expecting it. I don't understand, and I did say this on Twitter, why we drafted the fastest tight end in the draft to have him running from sideline to sideline. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not what he's supposed to be doing. He's not going to open up anything in the middle. They can play a soft zone and just pass him off from one guy to the next, and nobody has to run with him for more than you know, five or six steps before passing him off to the next guy in coverage. He's supposed to be splitting the seam down the middle. He's supposed to be running out routes like a a wide receiver, you know? And, and all these two, three-yard passes is where we were getting our three and outs. And the killer is when you, when you get three and outs on these short little passes is that literally no time goes off the clock because it stops on the incomplete pass. And then on top of that, they're two step drops, so only about two seconds go off the play uh, off the the game clock. So if you look at our first couple three and outs, and there were a couple in a row, they were all failures on about third down to throw the ball. I think we've become a little pr- too predictable in our third down play calls. It wasn't until the second half that the Giants opened up the game vertically. I was initially very critical when it happened because we opened up with what appeared to me to be a blind throw to Brand Marshall deep down the sideline. It looked scripted to me. Like my fear was that it was an attempt to get Brandon Marshall in the game uh just because they felt like it needed to happen. And I realized later that that was actually the smart thing to do because they hadn't tested anything deep yet. So it didn't even matter if he was open. Just throw it. Make them at least think that we can go deep. And yeah, the pocket was collapsing around Eli pretty much all night. But this is a guy who's got to stand in the pocket. It wasn't that bad on the offensive line performance. It was about as bad as we expected. It's not good enough, but it's this is what we it's, this, it, is, it, this it, is what we it, can it, win with. We proved last year we can win with this line. 
It's not great, but what we have to do is stay strong in the pocket, test downfield, continue to run the ball. This dink and dunk shit can't do it all the time. It almost feels to me like the coaching staff and Eli realize that there's no protection and it can't be counted on on a play-by-play-by-play basis. Where So this dink and dunk shit is all they feel comfortable with. I mean I really, really – we've debated this even before the podcast started. He's starting to get uh, uh, Derek Carr syndrome where he's been you know dumped so many times and running for his life that you're right it's 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 not it's not happy feet it's happy arm yeah he's trigger happy yeah i I just have to get rid of it and you know now it's starting to become like just a subconscious part of his game you know and and, i I don't think this offensive line is acceptable at all i mean no of course not but this is what we 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 were hoping we know we were hoping we were hoping that poppy hart would show some progression at right tackle he was terrible. All right. John Jerry, I don't understand why yeah. he's in the fucking up, he, starting he, he, lineup. Before you continue, I just want to get to Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart did not play well, but I'm going to point out that, first of all, anybody who's going to go by offensive line scores on Pro Football Focus should just give up trying to analyze games. Well, you know who owns Pro Football Focus, right? No, I don't. Chris Collinsworth is a – if he's not a majority investor, he's definitely a minority investor. Well, so that 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 horseshit all just ties into that fucking Sunday night show. Okay, so. well, here's the thing: Pro Football Focus is really good for certain things. Everybody who's ever played or studied offensive line agrees that it's not good for grading offensive linemen. It just isn't. They have no idea what the play call is, who's whose responsibility, and so the wrong guys get graded for the wrong things. And that means some guys get graded better than they deserve, other guys get graded below what they deserve. Weston Richburg, after being graded the highest-rated center, came out and blasted the grade and all pro football focus. So don't go by that shit. I know Bobby Hart play very poorly according to those metrics but i also want to say that nbc showed a montage of three plays that was supposed to be bobby hart struggling there was one in which he was speed rushed and he pushed the defender who i believe is demarcus lawrence behind eli manning who stepped up in the pocket and completed a pass on that play the other one was a failed switch between he and john jerry where he passed his guy off to jerry picked up jerry's guy and jerry whiffed completely and got into a sack so i don't understand how that's bobby hart's fault and then the last one was a legitimate sack so in three plays they showed one bad play that bobby hart did john jerry is pretty solely the biggest liability on this line in my opinion I mean, the guy got benched in a preseason game, and for after all of that, you know, after getting Fluker and after showing, you know, uh, Brett Jones coming in and playing pretty well, the offense actually moving, you know, is this one of the things we just, they just trust him more? I don't understand what they trust and what they see, but this can't go on. Yeah, so the one saving grace that John Jerry always had is that we knew he was never really a good run blocker. It was that he was a smart and reliable pass protector, and he did not show it at all yet this year. I know preseason doesn't count for anything, but I haven't seen it yet. So until I see it, preseason included, I'm not going to believe it. And it's going to be very interesting to see how the coaching staff responds to John Jerry's piss-poor, p- pathetic performance last night. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just watch the sieve on the right side of the line. You know, and you could say Bobby Hart, you know, wasn't all his fault. But, you know, communication is part of that. And you're saying, you know, there's a switch that was missed. And that could but, be blamed on either one or both of them collectively. I don't know. It's it's clear to me that Eric Flowers is not a great left tackle. But the right side of the line is just so bad. 
Yeah, that's that's clearly the problem. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to harp on Flowers having a penalty like late in the fourth quarter and saying, "Oh, there you go, there it is," it's like, well, the bottom line is this team just cannot run the ball, and we'll never know how good Paul Perkins really is, or or Darqua really is, and and oh, didn't we just draft a guy, Wayne Gallman? Did he even see the field yesterday? No, but I didn't expect him to. I think it's going to take him a, about the same amount of time it took Wayne, uh, Paul Perkins last year. Just based right. on his running style, he runs a little high. He needs his me- mechanics worked on a little bit. Understandable, but again, we'll never know how good or bad these running backs are You know, behind this, this offensive line, this poor excuse of a, a run-blocking line. Yeah. I and agree. remember, Dallas had how many guys out in the defensive line? Um, I I don't think – just to Montre Moore, I believe. I thought they had another guy who was out too for suspension. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, I, know I mean, this Anthony wasn't, Hitchens it wasn't was, a great offensive line to start. Yeah, yeah. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dallas's defense is pretty pathetic. Uh, I was – I was you know, <laughs> I, I had said in the pregame that making sure Sean Lee is not an impact player in the game was going to be a key. They failed to do that. <laughs> Sean Lee was all over the place. Um. I gave a fart to the entire offense and uh, one to Eli specifically. I don't think Eli played very well. Um, yeah, I, I think, like you said, Eli was very trigger happy and until the, the second half did not test the field vertically. I know that may not be totally on him, but if he sees something where he can throw it down the field, he's got to do it. They ha- they cannot wait until the third quarter to throw a deep ball. They just can't. I also, yeah, I also think this isn't something where he's trigger happy just today. This is something we saw a lot last year as well. Sure. Yeah, I, and I, I agree. And, and I, I think this is, like I said, I think this is David Carr syndrome where you're constantly running for your life and, and also you have com- no confidence in what this line can do. It's just dump off, dump off, dump off. So it doesn't matter if you have Odell Beckham or Jerry Rice or, you know, whoever, back, you know, running routes. It, it doesn't matter. And, you know, you can see that was not an offensive game plan that was meant to attack anybody. Now, whether. You know, it was on purpose or just, oh, shit, the line wasn't doing anything the first two or three possessions, and we had to adjust into, like, this retrenchment of just don't make mistakes. Uh, I don't know. And, again, we'll preface this all with this is week one, and, you know, we know everything – we shouldn't overreact for week one and everything. But, you know, kind of like, you know, a very similar situation to my Florida Gators where you see the same things over and over last year, and it carries over in the beginning – it's not necessarily an overreaction. It's well, it's going to be the same old, same old. Yeah, I I understand that, and I responded to a tweet last night that said, uh, "I hate to say the season's over, but dot dot dot." Yeah, guys, the season's not over. That's overreacting. Yeah, yeah. that's. I mean, if we remember, if we remember last year, the 49ers won their first game something like thirty-five nothing. Yeah, it you know, looked it was, like around the league there were a lot of teams shaking off the rust. I mean, for Christ's sake, the Texans got bowled over by Jacksonville. Awesome. Uh, I I mentioned it several times yesterday uh, to anybody who would listen to me. This is the worst opening day football I've ever seen. And I think a lot of it is I think these teams are – I don't think they're taking preseason seriously anymore to get teams really ready. I mean I, it's like don't get guys hurt. Okay, right? and yeah, and, and I'm going to segue that right back into the Giants. So I said I gave a fart to Eli. I gave a – partially for his back-breaking interception that just can't happen. Um, when he was in a groove, they were still in the game at that point yeah. as they were driving down the field. Um, the entire offense got a fart, but Brandon Marshall gets a fart. Brandon Marshall played terrible. Um, he was virtually invisible. Uh, 
And I think part of that is due – and I've said this a long time ago on this podcast that there are certain players who need to play the preseason. Odell Beckham is not one of them. I think I mentioned this when he was skipping the OTAs and just training in, the, in California or wherever he was. Um, there are certain people who need these things, and one of them is people who are new to the team. Brandon Marshall, for for what it's worth, it did show up for every training camp OTA, everything like that. He was working out very hard, but got injured in the first preseason game, didn't play another snap. There was no replication of live game performance, so his timing with Eli looked just non-existent. It looked like the first time they ever played with each other. And not even timing. It was just like he was lined up wrong a couple times. He yeah. just didn't like know what he was doing out there. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to listen to the fan today, you know, just to get like the, uh, you know, the, the dumb fan reaction to different things. But I can guarantee you if he lays an egg like this into week two and week three, he's going to be the lightning rod for all of the criticism. And he's going to have his Brandon Marshall, you know, tantrum and stuff and, and become a real cancer on this team. You could see it lining up right now. Yeah. But he, like I said, he is a guy who was not brought in here to be a number one or a number two. He was brought in here to complement Odell Beckham and be a red zone threat. He needs to stay in his his headspace where he understands that. Yeah, but nobody was asking him to get 11 catches for 180 yards and three touchdowns true. yesterday. Very true. I mean, he was a complete non-factor, you know. You know, but even guys like Sterling Shepard too. It's just you know, no, I, they don't get that many opportunities to throw. I, I'm not complaining the receivers on on no, yesterday. I just, you know, is you know, if you're only you know two, three, four yard passes over, you know, just little dumps, especially on third and nine, third and eight. You know, you're asking these receivers to do a lot behind guards and, and, and tackles. They're trying to do more than just what they normally do and do so much on their own. With, with a quarterback that's not – I mean, we saw Eli rolling out a lot more than normal yesterday, I thought. That's not his comfort zone. So, I mean, just everything is just uh, – you know, if the coaches know that this offensive line is that bad, they're going to start making just, you know, don't kill the quarterback type of offense. You're going to see a lot of these turds all season. I actually thought, uh, in particular, Sterling Shepard stood out as a guy who played well. Uh, he had seven catches for 44 yards. That's not a lot of yardage, but – he seemed to be the only one that looked like he was in sync with Eli from start to finish. Well, I think of all the receivers that played yesterday, he's the guy who's probably you know thrown with him the most and you know pitch and catch with him you know during off seasons and in game. And it's a sad thing when he's only a second year you know receiver. But yeah, wow, I didn't really think yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, either way, think about it. Who, either way, well, who Roger, there yesterday? Roger Lewis, and he he played well also for all you naysayers. Four catches for 54 yards. But, but back to my point, though, I mean, how much does Roger Lewis get in the regular rotation of, you know, in practice and, and everything of, uh, you know, running routes with, with Beckham? I mean, I don't think he's not, not as nearly much the, as much as Beckham and, and, and Shepard and, you know, everybody else. Not not as much in the offseason, but, you know, he did play all of last season in the regular, in the, you know, in the regular season. So, you have to think he was in there at every practice, was at least getting a couple of catches with Eli every every day. So yeah, it's I mean, still it, it's, it's still not, hardly it's, anything. Yeah. yeah, it's not as much as Sterling Shepard, but he's definitely second most on the roster that played. I I mean, I hate to give any more farts out and to anybody on the defense because the defense kept the Giants in the game until about eight minutes left in the game. There was still a shot, and I don't even mean like a long shot. I mean the Giants were driving. And only down two scores, but 
The defense, when when Beckham is not playing, this is just going to be a fact going forward. The defense needs to get at least one turnover, and they didn't get one. Yeah. Um, they failed to get consistent pressure. They did play the run well. I mean, the 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 Cowboys for all the time of possession they had only ran for a hundred and five yards. Yeah, but what they do on what was their third down conversion with running plays? It Dude, was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, yeah, it was. And not, that was early. That that wasn't even a question of running out of gas either. You know, first and second quarter, Zeke was uh, he was getting first downs when he needed them to to prolong drives too. Yeah. So it's true. Um, but I I highlighted that as a key matchup. You know, the first couple drives, the Cowboys didn't really go anywhere. Um, the and and the Giants got a goal line stand in the first quarter. You know, it, it it was not a bad performance by the defense, and I hate to to throw anyone on there, but but they, did, they only gave they, up one only gave up one touchdown. I mean, for up, all yeah, that's true. You get more you get morons like uh, Colin Cowherd saying they have the perfect offense. It's like, oh yeah, the perfect offense should have more than one touchdown against a gas gas defense. And you know what was on the field for so much that touchdown came off of the biggest BS call of the entire game, and I will I will never blame a loss on the officials. Just as a foregoing thing, unless it's truly the game ender. Well, I call. will. Uh, 2003 playoffs against yeah. the 49ers. Like You're I never said, ever it, unless, me. <laughs> unless it's truly a game ender, like the clock ran out on the play where a bad call was, then I'll blame it on them. But in this one, the the worst call of the game was definitely the Janoris Jenkins defensive pass interference. I mean, that was horseshit. That was that was a terrible, terrible call. But to be fair, though, there was probably four or five plays that could have gone either way, and that was just one of those four or five plays. I disagree. I, mean, I think I think they, they, they were, were they were very handsy all over the place. They were equally handsy, and I don't think any one player was more egregious than the other. And on that play, I think I, I, here's the other thing: that was like a forty yard pass. So if you're gonna throw it on anything, that's the one you're gonna throw it on, where they were barely touching each other. That that was bullshit, and that was the only touchdown the Cowboys scored was off of that play. Mm-hmm. So it's true. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not going to blame this loss on the officials, obviously, but I will say that the defense was able to keep Dallas out of the end zone, except for that one drive where that one bad play happened. You know, that one bad call. So yeah, um, to give credit to the defense, and I I think I'm I'm going to give a start of Janoris Jenkins because. For all their blustering and Des Bryant and how he won this matchup, he had two more catches than Odell Beckham did. <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, I I like to say, you know, to the defense, they did a good job, you know, all things considered, you know, being on the field so much. But again, I, I felt like the, the the Cowboys running game really dictated this game. You know, in the other two games last year, they did not dictate it at all. I agree. You know, I, I I definitely felt like you know you can say. If you're just watching this game in the first half, it was the biggest reason why it's their ability to run the ball. And obviously, you know, the inability of our offense to do anything, but they they controlled the line of scrimmage running the ball. And that, to me, that led to another first down, another first down, another first down. You know, yeah, I, I get it. If you keep three and outing on offense, your defense is going to be on the field a lot. But if you can't stop them, you know, with a three out of your own, that's where you're on the field a lot longer, so... Yeah, and and like frustrating. I said, the, the, this defense for for all the money that was spent on it needs to get turnover, and they know it. When when Beckham's not playing, the defense doesn't have to score points, but they have to at least flip the field. They have to yeah. get a pick. It doesn't and have how to be de- picks. And how are turnovers caused? Pressure on the quarterback and stopping you know, forcing, the run. Exactly, and you know we didn't see really much of any of that yesterday. No, we didn't. Um, 
but it wasn't I wouldn't say it was a poor performance by this defense at all and to be fair this is going to be the best offensive line that they face all year so is them in Oakland are, the, are going to be the two best offensive lines so they didn't play bad holding Dallas to 105 rushing yards um, Dallas will definitely run for a lot more than that on other on other defenses um, so I hate to give any farts to anybody on the defense I really can't pick out one person on the defense that played poorly specifically no, I I really can't either. You know, uh, guys like BJ Goodson had great games. Uh, I gave him a star. Yeah, I mean he he he's uh, he's coming into his own at middle linebacker. I, I you know I, you're right. You can't blame the defense on this. Um, they were put in a very bad position by the offense, and it's something that's very worrisome. You know, going forward. You know what happens when we start playing really good defenses? <laughs> then what? Yeah, I I mean, I I hear you. Because this is a bad defense that the offense played. But I'm going to say this. This team is going to ride on three things. Eli's arm, Beckham's ability, and the defense. Those three things have to happen. And if one of those three things can't play, then the other so – one of them I, has to step up. And the defense I, had to gonna, step up, and Eli needed to step up last night. I'm going to say – I'm not going to say Eli's arm. I'm going to say Eli's keeping cool. Yeah. More than his arm. His arm is still fine. He hasn't lost anything off his his fastball. He needs to keep his cool. You know, the majority of his turnovers are usually just poor decisions at the wrong time. You know, being panicked. And you know, if this offensive line is going to put him more in a panic mode, he will make mistakes. So that's my bigger fear than his arm. The arm is fine. Those three key pieces are going to have to lift up for the offensive line, for the running game, for the other receivers. Uh, Do you really think Beckham on the field makes that much difference for the ability to run the ball? Yes. I think Beckham on the field changes everything. I mean, we still were the worst rushing team in the league last year with Beckham playing every game. Worst. You know, yes, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I agree. Um, I think we also had a worse running back committee because Rashad Jennings was our starter. I think the offensive line was worse just by maturity, even though it's the same guys. I think... Bobby Hart is better this year than he was last year. I think Eric Flowers is going to be better this year than he was last year. Our tight ends were worse at blocking. Yeah, I, I do think Beckham literally changes the scope of everything on the field. Mm. I think once you're on there, you're not loading the box, even if we're running every single play. If Beckham's on the field, you're not loading the box. That's how bad the running game was last year. If we weren't loading the box, we couldn't do anything. I mean, again, I, I understand you know, what you're saying about you know having Jennings and stuff, but you know, Again, this offensive line is just it's just so bad. It's it terrible. so aggravating. It really is. And you know, for there's that there's the two camps of Jerry Reese. The people that defend him and the people that can't stand him. And last night's a great example of the people that can't stand Jerry Reese saying I told you so. How, you know, the only improvement made on the offensive line was a guy that can't even crack the worst position on the offensive line as a starter getting dj fluker and right now it might not even be the second might not even be the second string on the uh, right guard it's a it's a very fair criticism of jerry reese um i i personally am a, uh, a defender of him in some regards i try to think that i'm fair um i think he's ignored the offensive line but i think he has done things to improve the roster i do think overall this roster is better than last year which is all you can ever ask of a gm because you cannot fix every hole um He's turned this team from being pathetic into a contender uh, over the last couple of years. 
But what what troubles me is the overreaction of the same people I saw applauding Jerry Reese for making this team into a playoff contender last year are the same people throwing him under the bus after one game this year. Um, pick a side. First of all, you know, any, any criticism and stuff after week one, we just going to completely ignore. Yeah. Cause you know, it's especially after a Sunday night when everybody's been drinking all day, watching football and you know, your, your, your local watering hole watching that game. So let's, you know, I'm not going to listen to anybody says very seriously about things like, you know, Fire McAdoo, Fire Reese, you know, Eli's washed up, blah, blah, blah. But when you see trends that have been developing over the last couple of years, like this offensive line, and, you know, yeah, we we improved the tight end. You know, you, you could say that. Yeah, you could, you could questionably say we've improved at running back. But the biggest hole on this team and the, and the biggest thing is going to prevent this team from going, you know, potentially far in the playoffs, maybe winning the NFC East, maybe getting home field, is this offensive line. And it doesn't matter what weapons you have on the outside. It doesn't matter if Eli Manning's Peyton Manning or, you know, whoever he is. If they can't run the ball and they have time to throw, it's all garbage. It's all useless. So, you know, I'm not making a statement for or against Jerry Reese with this, but the fact is this line is no better than it was last year. And it's not like in baseball you can make a big trade at the, at the trade deadline or, you know, Nobody's getting cut in the middle of the season. You're going to pick up. I mean, you are what you are at this point. And here's the sad thing. These five guys are not going to stay healthy all year. Someone's getting banged up. And you're going to go deeper into the uh, the abyss with the, the depth of this offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it might even be an improvement at this point, though. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I really do think one interesting thing to watch during the week is what – the coaches do it right guard because I think John Jerry played pitiful. I think he played at backup caliber. Um, he actually looked like a backup who has never played in this offense until this year, which is not the case for him. Um, exactly. I think I don't want to just come out and say I think Brett Jones deserves a shot because, like you said, it's week one. What he showed was in preseason week four, I think. Was it or was it week three? I don't, it was week way, three. It was either week way, three. yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it's that. A check game. But I will yeah. say it'll be interesting to see what they do in practice, what the coaches think, because it's hard for me to look at what John Jerry did and say that it's okay, and that there's no better answer because there has to be a better answer than that. And let's also let's get rid of this thing that was going around Twitter and everything yesterday. That if you make a you know if you pull a quarterback or you make a change in the middle of week one. It means you're, you know, you've done a bad job coaching, a bad job evaluating. You know, sometimes you got to see these guys in line of fire in a real game. You know, thinking about some of the like uh, quarterback for the Colts was god awful yesterday, and they're like, if you're making the change that quickly, or or, or in Houston, you know, with um, uh, fuck's his name, Tom Savage. Yeah, with Savage, it's like, oh, why didn't they realize this during the, the preseason? Preseason and the regular season are two different animals altogether. Yeah. You know, pre preseason is an evaluation time for coaches. That's it. You know, what it really should be is getting these guys ready to play, but it's really just the coaches want to see very specific things and not get their guys hurt. So is it's not admitting failure or not being embarrassment if you make a change in the middle of week one or the start of week two. Um, I, I think Jerry has an incredibly short leash right now. I mean, you're not going to see this garbage much longer, you know, if, if he can't run block or he becomes a sieve pass blocking. That's a good point. I mean, everybody was so quick to 
to crucify these coaches, you know, you know, when when quarterback changes had to be made, it's like, well, wait a minute. Do you want to be a stubborn mule and just keep the same guy you in because that was your decision? Or are you trying to win? Or are you trying to make the best of a bad situation? Bottom line, if Jerry keeps this up, you're not going to see this go four or five games. Yeah. I mean, there are, there was competition in preseason. You know, he said, she said whether that you – know, the, the um, change in the jet game during the preseason was planned or not planned. Um, yeah. We'll see. But yeah. this – that. This team is not going to go anywhere with a, a sieve of a, of a right side of an offensive line. No, they'll go backwards. It's literally the only place they can go. Um, so, I, I mean, the only things that I'm really watching going through the week, I'm not really going to be listening to a whole lot of media stuff. I, I think a lot of it is just fan lip service. Um, but the things I'm I'm obviously watching closely are the the Beckham injury. And whatever we hear about the coaches and John Jerry and Brett Jones, DJ Fluker, that whole mess at right guard, you know, I, I want to know that something happened there. Yeah. I mean, I, listening to the uh, the post-game comments from the coaches and everything, it sounded just like coach speak horseshit. You know, you, you see results. You, you see changes being made. That's when you know they really got it. So we'll, we'll see. You know, it's, uh, you know, obviously it's week one. We're not going to get crazy. Um, I don't think Dallas is a a lock to run away with the division. Not at all. You know, I, I I I don't think you know I don't think Philly was you know I don't see them playing like that for sixteen games. I quite frankly don't see Washington playing that terribly. I just think you know all around the league, week one was awful. It was a bad week of football watching, and you know teams that you think are going to be there, you know, are going to be there at the end of the season. You know, New England is not as bad as they looked. I don't think we're as bad as we looked. You stick us on prime time on Sunday night against your biggest rival and ninety thousand people. Not much going your way, you know. Not a bad, not a good hand you're dealt to start. Yeah, I and I looking around the league, uh, that was one of the toughest matchups I think around. Uh, I mean, like off the top of my head, the only ones that looked like they were a little bit tougher were New England, Kansas City. Um, Seattle going to Green Bay. And to Seattle, start. Seattle and Green Bay are like the only two that were around the same level of competition. Some games were closer because, like you said, there was some some just lackluster, terrible play. But every other matchup seemed to be heavily favored in one side, in my opinion. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks out there. You know? I'll say Baltimore and Cincinnati was probably a, it ended completely flip flopped, but I would have penciled that one in as a really tough matchup. Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't buy for the longest time this Kaepernick thing that he's blackballed out of the league. But you know, we've we've talked on this podcast and prior to that that we don't think he's that good of a quarterback. But my God. Yeah, there's some bad. Tom Savage and, 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 and what's his name for the Colts have no business being in the NFL. Scott None. Tolzien. Yeah. And, and even like, like a Josh Johnson that was you know trying to be the backup for the Giants. These guys are not NFL quarterbacks. I mean – Colin Kaepernick, we dump on for not being that good, but he's a capable at least backup in this league. He's got a better so, arm and legs than Josh Johnson will ever have. I mean, yeah, so it, it's really making me think maybe the guy is being blackballed because there was a lot of garbage out there yesterday. Yeah, I, yeah, you know what? I don't want, I don't want to delve too far into that. But no, I agree, no, I'm not, I'm not getting into it. Yeah. yeah, I agree. With yeah, you. that's that's kind of it for us. You know these these night games are a little rough for me to rewatch. Uh, I don't really have the time to do it right away. I do rewatch every single game. 
Um, I just, you know, between Sunday night and Monday night with work in between, I didn't really have time. But if I see anything that we missed, I'll bring it up on the next episode. You'll catch us again Friday morning with a game preview of week two, the Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. Monday night football. Going to be exciting. Um, Home opener. Um, Just a reminder to follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump, and the podcast is at just giants pod. And you can follow me at the cranky fan and my compi- my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan. Where we discuss all things Florida Gator football. So if you want to watch, listen to basically a carbon copy of a shitty offense and a team that has no direction and no uh, offensive identity, eh, double your pleasure. Listen to that one too. We don't know where we're playing this weekend. We don't know if there's a game this weekend. You know, it's you know, obviously we're all very relieved that the hurricane blew through Florida and Gainesville with minimal damage to uh, you know North Florida. A lot of flooding around the state, but uh, as of you know, as of now, we don't know where that game's going to be in Gainesville or Knoxville or Atlanta or who knows. So uh, I know none of you people care, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. All right. Go Giants. Go Giants. Thank you.